Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Hard Knocks. Miami Dolphins edition by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, back here with episode five. This is going to be a solo pod. My fellow comrade and uh, guest, Christopher Romero, will not be on this particular podcast because I've got a crazy busy Christmas schedule coming up this week and a crazy recording schedule as we look to take a few days off into next week. Um, But we're back. So this is going to be kind of more monologue style with my quick hit notes from this episode of what I particularly enjoyed from this one and um, what this means looking forward for the Dolphins as we head into this Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys. So episode five, obviously we're bouncing back from a very disappointing Titans loss, which I feel a little bit better about after seeing the Eagles blow a lead to the Seahawks on a, I think it was a 10 play 92 yard drive to uh, on Monday night. So we're not the only team uh, blowing games in primetime. And the Cowboys just got smacked down by the Bills, who look more and more terrifying each week and unbeatable when playing in Buffalo, uh, at least right now. Earlier in the season, not so much. But uh, yeah, we've got a primetime matchup, 425, Dolphins-Cowboys. Neither team has played well against... I put... There's different classes of teams in the NFL. All right, coming from a uh, an observer such as myself. And I think there's just different tiers, right? You have... The Niners tier, I think they're right now currently in a tier by themselves. I would say underneath that tier, you got the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bills, the way they're playing right now. Um, And before this, I I would say also the Cowboys and the Dolphins. The only thing about the Cowboys and the Dolphins is that neither team, and by the way, I hate this narrative, but it's just the truth. Neither team has played well against the winning teams, except for the Cowboys beating the Eagles earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Dolphins have lost to the Eagles at Philly, KC in Germany, and the Bills. But the only one of those losses that was a smackdown was against the Bills at Buffalo. At home against the Bills, historically, we've done well. We beat them last year at home. Tua was concussed the entire second half, and we still beat them. So they don't really, um, I think home home field, home court really does sway that significantly in the AFC and the NFC is just top heavy. It's really Niners, Eagles, Cowboys. That's that's the top of the NFC. Everyone else over there, mm, not really concerned about them at all. It'll be interesting to see Niners and Ravens on Monday Night Football. I'll be rooting for the Niners in that one because we're competing right now. The Dolphins are competing with the Ravens for the top seed in the AFC. But we got an interesting scenario playing out, right? You got the Dolphins who are going to be uh, playing the Cowboys Sunday, right? So it'll be a battle for which team is going to beat the team with the winning record, right? Um, Cowboys just got slaughtered by the Bills, so they'll be fired up. And the Dolphins have the Bills at home. We got the Ravens at Ravens, and we got the Bills to end the season here, which if you're the Finns, 
You win two out of the next three, you guarantee yourself the AFC East and potentially the the one seed. Potent- well, you don't guarantee the one seed, but you put yourself in a decent position for it. If you win out, you guarantee the one seed because that means you're beating the Ravens, right? Uh, and get that gives you the tiebreaker over the Ravens. So we control our own destiny. And I'm going to say we. I know that's a reporter full pop, but I'm not a reporter, so F it. Um, so yeah, that's where we're, we're heading into. Dolphins either need to win out or win two out of the next three, or we face the nightmare scenario of the last week of the season being deciding the AFC East title, right? Who's going to win that that division, which is crazy, right? That just the Finns being, what are we, 10 and four now? I lose track with the records, but um, it's crazy that the AFC, like our wildcard teams are eight and six and like you, you might be 10 and six in the AFC and not make the playoffs. That's, that's where, that's the way this is, uh, this is going right now for the, uh, the AFC at the moment. Dolphins are 10 and four. Bills are eight and six on the outside looking in. Bills are not in the clear right now. If the Bengals and the Colts win this week, I believe uh, Bills are still out, even if they beat the Chargers this week. So uh, yeah, just that's just a little look ahead. But I think that got the Dolphins in trouble last week against the Titans. And I think like McDaniel says in this episode, which we're going to talk about momentarily, um, the Titans loss could be the best thing that could have happened for the Dolphins. A loss at home, a loss against a team that we should have beat, uh, that we were up 14 points on uh, with less than four minutes to go in the game. And I think what McDaniel wanted to occur happened against the Jets, but the true test will be against these top contending teams that we're facing to end the season, right? So that'll be the true test of, of being able to bounce back from that. And I think huge for the Finns to be able to take a win like that against a team that's a so-called contender and know, get the monkey off your back and know that you can compete with the best of them in the league. So just putting it to the test. I was listening to a segment from uh, Peter Schrager on the NFL Network, as well as um, Kyle Brandt, who's a big Miami Dolphins hater. I don't care what he says. That guy, that guy hates the Dolphins. Uh, but Peter Schrager was essentially saying, you know, yeah, it was a bounce back game from Miami after losing to the Titans. But we're down like seven starters right now. So we essentially played the Jets with an arm behind our back, as, as Schrager said, uh, without Hill, without Holland, without Elliott, without uh, Jalen Phillips out for the year, of course, uh, without Xavier Howard, um, and and a couple others that I, I'm blanking on right now. I think we were missing Robert Hunt still, and we were missing Connor Williams as well, who's also out for the year. And Austin, ja- I think Austin Jackson also left the game. So... We're decimated with injuries right now. We're not really seeing a complete Dolphins team, but nonetheless, we shut out the Bills, 30 zip, took care of business. And that's the difference between this team and and years past, right? We're taking care of business when it comes to the teams that we need to beat, and we just need to elevate that to the next level. But like any other team in any other sport that's ever won a championship, you can't win a championship for the first time until you win it for the first time. So uh, nobody respected the Golden State Warriors before... They won their first title. That was the Harrison Barnes, Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, um, Andrew Bogut year. You can't win it until you just do it. So you got to face this adversity. You got to go through it, as McDaniel says. And I think that's really the difference maker between teams that are great and teams that are not. Can you bounce back from that adversity and use it for you and make it a positive? Or will you allow it to become a negative? And I thought 
That was essentially the theme of the episode, and the entire team was fired up, starting with McDaniel and then trickling down to all the team leaders, right? Because there's something about McDaniel's speeches, and at least the way the, the Hard Knocks cameras are capturing these guys in the in the room, you don't really know how they're receiving these, these this message, how they're receiving his speech. You don't know if they're internalizing it, if they're receiving it well, uh, because it feels half the time that he's kind of talking to a wall. At least that's a, what it looks like from a storytelling perspective looking at it on screen. But Bradley Chubb came out, best game of the year, okay? D-line played big, humbled Zach Wilson after after a loss to the point where Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back this year. I mean, you're not coming back to play behind that offensive line, no matter what. And I don't think it's even fair to judge Zach Wilson, really, for how bad and how poorly he played this week. Because if you're running for your life, I mean, we've seen, if you're a Dolphins fan, we've made Tom Brady look like that a couple of times when we used to have like Jason Taylor down here. Like, any great quarterback, and I'm not saying Zach Wilson's great, will look terrible if they're being pressured on every single drop back. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes looks human when you take him away from Arrowhead and you put pressure on him. So no quarterback is immune to uh, that situation. You need time to throw, period, end of day. And interesting enough, it felt like the Dolphins game planned completely around giving to a quick options we threw more screen more wide receiver screens uh we were throwing more horizontally than i've ever seen the dolphins before in fact so much so that i mean i was shocked when we had the jalen waddle uh you know pretty much 60 yard bomb uh for for the one play drive there but nonetheless you love to see it we executed it felt like a game plan that was just about securing a victory uh we didn't get too fancy with it uh we wanted to keep the jets honest um, they knew we had a decimated O-line. Eichenberg played good. We played good considering how down we are in terms of the injuries and nobody really talks about that enough. So we got to see that up against the Cowboys dominant front line. And we got to see that against, I mean, they have an altogether better defense than the Jets, even though the Jets are a tough defense to play against as well. Um, but yeah, you love to see it despite Tyreek being out the entire game, which was for a Finns fan, the little short doses we've seen without Tyreek have been concerning, but this week showed we can get it done if we commit to the run game. And Waddle is a damn, he's a wide receiver one on almost any other team in the league. And uh, that just shows the greatness of Tyreek um, and also shows the greatness of, of Waddle to know that the defense is, is isolating on you for the most part, right? And you're still able to pull off a game like that. I think he had over 150 yards. So that's crazy. All right, let's get into it. I loved McDaniel's response after the Titans lost. If you don't know much about McDaniel, this dude wakes up, at, not even at the crack of dawn. He wakes up like three hours before dawn. And he's there Monday night. That game's ending at, if I had to guess, past 10 p.m. He's in the office at 4 a.m. I don't think that guy went home. I think he went straight to his office and went straight to watching the tape so that this thing does not happen again. Because he also took blame, as a good leader does. They're accountable towards their game plan. And he put his hand up first in terms of it being a bad game plan against the Titans. So kudos to him. I love seeing uh, Butch Berry, the O-line coach, also there with him. Lord knows who else was in that building. But I like the fact that this team's not about celebrating these wins. Even after beating the Jets 30-zip, he's saying this is not Selly time. This is not celebration time. This is get to business time. All right. Three games to end the year. You're fighting for the one seed. You're still fighting for the AFC East team because the Bills are playing with reckless abandon right now. They're playing, well, they're playing as a team with everything to lose. Because if the Bills lose one more game, 
the, like, let's just put a scenario. They lose one more game and we beat them at the end of the year. They're out of the playoffs, which I would love that. I would love to end their playoff hopes at the end of the season. Uh, Bill's commenters, deal with it. Um, but respect, respect. You guys are balling out right now. Okay. So McDaniel game planning 4am listening to Eminem on, on his evil villain comeback tour. Um, we got the little bit of, if you're not a Miami local, you don't know about this, but we have this elementary school teacher named Mary Martinez who, uh, uh, teaches out of Pinecrest. And she has this bit where after the dolphins win or lose, she has like, she does like these fun games. We'll hand out like no homework passes if the dolphins win, uh, so she has the, I mean, she seems like the kind of elementary school teacher you wanted when you were a kid. So uh, I love that. It is looking unlikely that Hill is going to be able to break that 2000 yard uh, record, which really makes me sad to be honest, because three games left. He has, he needs about 492 yards. If I'm not mistaken, dude's going to have to bust out like two, 200 plus yard games to have a chance uh, in the last game of the season. So uh, it's possible with Reek, but Let's see. And I think Reek's all about Super Bowls. I think he would care about the record, but if you if you asked him, hey, Super Bowl or the 2,000-yard record, he's taking the ring. Uh, and that's just the kind of guy he is. And, you know, funny enough, I think the outward perspective on Hill, at least speaking for myself, is that he's kind of uh, – he's not a diva, and he's a worker. He ain't no diva like uh, some other wide receivers in the past. Uh, he's not a diva. He's not uh, someone who wants all the – all the spotlight on him. That dude's just a baller. And when you see him behind the scenes and you see how he invests in his teammates, and even if he's not playing, he's engaged in the sideline. He's coaching up his teammates. He's passing on the things he's seeing in the wide receiver room. The guy just wants to win. He's a good leader. He sets a tone and he's not a me, me, me type of guy, which is dope because he's so, I think what it is, is that he's so charismatic and you can so clearly see he has such a bright future after the game, after he puts up his cleats, he's going to just be around forever and it's just a mainstay in front of a camera because he's just so damn likable and you can't teach likable and you can't teach that kind of charm uh, that you mistake him for somebody who maybe wants to kind of put himself first over the team, which that's not the case at all. Uh, it just happens to be that he's a team guy first. He's a team win first and also happens to be hella charismatic, has the best celebrations and is the fastest dude in the league and lets people know and believes it, right? But he's a badass. I mean, he's he's probably the most fun Dolphins player I've watched. Um, I mean, he's up there with the GOATs, man, with the Ricky Williams, those types. Like that you just watch him and it's just special. You know what you're watching Sunday to Sunday is special. So that, that's my soapbox for Tyreek this, this Sunday, even though we missed him dearly. But I thought it was good. I thought it was good for the team to see, hey, we can win without him too. Because you need to, bro, because there's no guarantee that you're going to have a healthy team come January. And we're already not healthy, so let's let's get it done as we need to. Everyone's decimated out there in the league right now. Wilkins and Zach Sealer, possibly the bromance of the century. I knew it was a bromance. I didn't know it was to the extent of pretty much having Zach Brown band duets on the sideline throughout the game. Um, I love the bit about Sealer because uh, they have right super contrasting journeys, right? You got Wilkins who went to Clemson. Um, you got Sealer who came from D2. And you have this story of just how Sealer used to live in an RV because he didn't know if he was going to be cut from a team. And so he was kind of adapting with the situation he was in, right? And great wife. I mean, just a I'm blanking on her name right now. 
uh, but just absolute rock star of the support system he has uh, from his family and just how down she is for for that movement. She even went, she was talking about how she loved the RV life, which is so, it's, it's just a refreshing story, man. And the cool thing about Steeler is that you're seeing him like really settle into a groove, really settle into a comfort zone. And I think for guys who have really had to grind it out in the league and get those contracts with Steelers extended for three years, he's like kind of like the Van Ginkle type, right? Like those guys are already hard workers. You don't got to teach that. And you give them like that kind of stability of knowing that they're going to be in a place and they're just going to become fan favorites immediately. Like Sealer's little bit of moving pre-snap, which was a bullshit call on the tight in the Titans game when they called that late. Um, that stuff has become iconic to the point like I, like I, we better see that in Madden. Like that's just a, a player quirk that he has. Like he's he's strategic as hell. And Wilkins probably giving Zach Wilson PTSD nightmares, just screaming at him the entire game. Love it, man. Uh, you love that energy. Wilkins is more chaotic. Sealer's more of, you know, steady. But uh, yeah, man. I love how Wilkins is also the first guy out there whenever there's an offensive touchdown. He's always somehow involved in the celebration. And I'm just always wondering how he's getting out there that fast. But, you know, the only thing I don't like about Wilkins is that he's a Boston fan. And when the Heat were playing the Celtics, he had some Celtics colored sneakers on. And um, we need a full Miami conversion out of you, Christian. Love you, bro. But Boston sports down here. Mm-mm, mm-mm. All right. We got a Braxton Berrios feature. They really isolated a lot on Braxton uh, in terms of the TikTok aspect, which I didn't think, you know, was entirely fair to just make that the whole feature uh, like on that. But uh was really a cool tidbit because I, I knew nothing about his personal life other than he's a former Kane and also was a homer before. So he was a lifelong Dolphins fan. That I knew. I didn't know about, um, I didn't know who his girlfriend was, Alex Earl, before, but she's TikTok famous. And I thought that was a neat bit. I was laughing my head off at the eyebrow debate post credits in this episode of all the guys like pretending to be, you know, all of them half macho, half admitting that they, that they plucked their eyebrows or their girls plucked their eyebrows. Uh, so I thought that was cool. But more cool than that, I like the fact that Braxton is kind of like, you know, the hometown hero, right? He's the guy doing it for the 305, you know, from Miami. Um, that's the kind of stuff you love to see. And he, he so reminds me, and I know I've said this in the past, but our wide receivers coach is Wes Welker. And you can't help but make that comparison that Braxton is a Wes, Wes Welker type. He has that potential in him. And I'm just glad to see him in a place where he can actually shine because I don't think he was getting that that proper opportunity on the Jets. Um Speaking of another person who I don't think is getting a proper opportunity, Garrett Wilson had a cool moment with Tua at the end of this episode and just made me kind of fantasize about an existence of having Tyreek Hill, Garrett Wilson, and uh, and Waddle, which is not going to happen. But I, I just love his game, man. And I, in game, respects game. And Wilson was respecting the Dolphins game, which made me feel good about my team. So, all right, where do we go from here? We got Cowboys Christmas Eve, Noche Buena, Breaking out the cajachina, eating that lechon with moro, maduro, all that stuff on the table. Hopefully some good, you know, digestion will be eased if the Dolphins win that game on Sunday. I'm saying that right now. Digestion will be eased. That lechon's going to go down a lot better if the Dolphins win and beat the Cowboys. Uh, I got a cousin of mine who's a diehard Cowboy fan, so I need that Christmas smack talk to be in my favor, not in the Cowboys' favor. Um... And then 
We need the Ravens to lose to the Niners on Monday night. We need that. We need a huge Niners game. If I had to rank my top three teams, and I'm just going to put this out there, besides the Dolphins. Dolphins are one, obviously. They always have been, even in our losing years. This is not a recent uh, fanhood. This is a, a tortured fanhood that's being redeemed by the McDaniel era. Uh, but it's Dolphins, Cowboys, Niners. Those are, those are the, my top three teams. If, if my Dolphins are out, I'm rooting for those two teams wherever they're at, unless they're playing each other, at which case, case-by-case basis, usually I'm going with the Cowboys. So no hate for them either. So only team I definitively hate right now. I, mean, I don't even hate the Patriots right now because they, they're, they're, they're in the gutter. Uh, is the Bills. That Those damn Bills, man. I just, yeah. All right. Playoff scenarios right now as they stand. And we could talk about this as a growing theme as the season goes on here because, like I said, like we've been saying, hard knocks will go on as long as the Dolphins are in the hunt, right? So if they're in the playoffs and they get to the conference championship, we'll have a hard knocks episode. If they get to the Super Bowl, we'll have a hard knocks episode. So uh, we will have this as long as the Dolphins are intact. Uh, That being said, I got the feeling that HBO is also falling in love with the Dolphins. Why? Because Tony Romo, professed Josh Allen lover. Yeah. He said something on Sunday, which essentially was was not even negative. It was Tua's bomb to Jalen Waddle, And he said, you know, Tua, uh, hey, Jim, uh, Tua, they say he doesn't have a strong arm. That was a big arm throw to me, Jim. He said something like that. HBO went so far as to remove the front half of that line where he says, you know, Jim, they say Tua doesn't have a strong arm. They took that bit out. So it's almost like HBO is putting on a bit of the, you know, Tua on hat, right? They're putting on a bit of the Dolphins love. Um, so you love to see it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, we're the best Hard Knocks team that's ever been on Hard Knocks. Uh, do I want this next year? Depends on the outcome of this season, okay? If we win a Super Bowl, I'm good. I'm good with the one and done. We don't need to do hard knocks next year. Um, But yeah, we'll see what happens. But right now, I think the playoff scenario is if the season ended today, Ravens would get the first round by. They'd get the number one overall seed in the AFC, okay? I'm not entirely convinced by the Ravens. Uh, that The Jaguars blew that game on Sunday night. That should have been a Jaguars win. That was miscoaching. Bad execution throughout the entire game by the Jaguars. I was, I'm was i not even a Jaguars fan, although I do. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Doug Peterson. Um, he was actually my favorite besides McDaniel. If we didn't get McDaniel for some reason, I wanted Peterson as our head coach. Um, that's kind of where, where I was in that in that camp. But um, just they, they blew that game execution-wise. If they execute, they beat the Ravens on Sunday night. Uh, first round, we would get the Indianapolis Colts, okay? Because they are the the they're the worst wild card team. I think they're they're the seventh seed. However, there is a scenario that if the Dolphins stay in the second seed and the Bills just sneak into the playoffs as the seventh seed, I don't know what would happen if they if they break in to the playoffs. The Bills could be at the seventh seed. The Finns would have to face the Bills in the first round. I believe the way it would work after that is that we would have to face the winner of the Chiefs Bengals, which let's just say it's going to be the Chiefs. And then we'd have to face, if the Ravens make it that far, the AFC Championship. 
Okay. So there is a hell road here where we could end up facing Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, and then the Super Bowl, of course, which is either going to be the Niners, Eagles, or Cowboys. Uh, I think that's almost certain. I, I would take that bet. I'm not, I don't do sports gambling uh, at this moment, but um, I would take that bet on those three. So let's see what happens. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, join us next time. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Okay. Uh, for everyone out there, happy holidays. If you celebrate Hanukkah or whatever other holidays, Kwanzaa, whatever else is going on, but Merry Christmas to you all. Happy New Year. We'll see you before the new year, but I hope uh, you enjoy this weekend with your family, your loved ones, your friends. If not, tune into this episode. You've got an extended family here that hopefully brings you some, uh, at least some laughs or some even some anger if you're a Bills fan out there and you're just like pissed that this Dolphins fan is spouting off on YouTube. We can at least connect in that way. So uh, hope you enjoy it. Fins up. May we beat the Cowboys and just beat them to beat them back to Dallas. I'm, I don't want a close game, man. I like boring games for my teams. I don't want close games in the fourth quarter. I want 42-10. You know, that's what I'm looking for. That's the greatest game on earth when we're whooping a team. I don't want close games for my for my loved teams, right? So, all right. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Uh, we are going to be back again this week for other coverage of other shows. Um, thank you all for making Hard Knocks our, our most watched uh, series, I guess, on YouTube so far. I, I always knew sports would, would be better than um than other types of series on youtube i think there's just such a demand for for this content but i know there's lots of it out there so i thank you for choosing this one to listen to at least or if you're like me and your algorithms just all miami dolphins on youtube then this is just among the many you listen to but uh we're also covering for all mankind we cover tv shows that's sort of our bread and butter around here on story archives uh we're doing for all mankind season four where we just dropped an episode last night and we're also doing Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple. Both shows are on Apple TV. And um, that's what we got for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to reach out, email us at contact at soapbox.house. All this info will be in the description. We appreciate your reviews, five stars especially. Help us combat the haters out there. And thank you for tuning in as always. And until next time, fins up. <laughs>